Okay, welcome back, everybody. Great American Dynasty podcast, episode 14. And the, the season is officially over. So the Atlanta Braves won in six games, 4-2, to over the Houston Astros. Love to see that. Um, but a lot of, you know, underlying things that happened. Um, like I was telling you before we started that – I went back and I had I really had to like watch some of the games over again because I felt like they went by super kind of fast um, to kind of comprehend a lot of the stuff. But I really do think that Braves pitching was unbelievable, and it's crazy to see, um, you know, a team that was basically left for dead at the break um, kind of come back and after losing Acuna, after losing Ozuna, you know, coming back and winning it all. Yeah, I mean, it's really impressive how much their pitching staff just really carried them uh, through the series. Going back through uh, some of these box scores, I mean, they held Bregman to no more than a hit in three of these games. I mean, there were, I think, game one, uh, game two, and game game six, he was held to an over. I mean, that is one big, one really huge part in their lineup is Bregman. And when you hold that guy to an over, that is really impressive. I mean, you lose Morton in game one to that broken leg in devastating fashion. He comes out and he and he strikes out two more hitters after breaking his fibula, I think it was. And then uh, Mentor comes in afterwards and uh, shuts the door. Uh, I mean, it, it was so impressive watching their pitching staff work. Um a lot of unsung heroes. Uh, Rosario just came out firing uh, in that Dodgers series and then just really capped it off with a great performance in the World Series. Um, that catch that I think really saved them um, in game four, was it? One, two, three, four. Yep, game four uh, when he had that catch in uh, – in left field, I believe. Um, he's going to get paid in the offseason, man. He's going to be one happy man. Um, Freddie Freeman finally gets his World Series ring. Um, former Red Adam Duvall gets a World Series ring. Who would have thought that would happen? Um, but, yeah, just a really impressive performance uh, by the Braves. Um, I mean, they, like you said, they were left for dead after Acuna, uh, tore his ACL, um, had a really impressive trade deadline, uh, getting jock. That was a huge, huge boost, uh, especially in their clubhouse, um, and in their lineup as well. But, um, and, and Solaire, Solaire was a huge pickup too. They got Duvall at the trade deadline. I mean, that is so – it's so impressive what they did. Um, 
I mean, getting the World Series MVP at the deadline. Um, and then wh- what more can you say? Uh, hats off to the Braves. Yeah, and uh, another thing that we kind of talked about was at least when I went back and watched, I saw that a lot of the 50-50 kind of, um, you know, balls that are hitting the hole always kind of rolled the Braves way, even ending the championship series against the Dodgers. You know, you've got three guys stacked on the left, the infield or left to second base, and there's a ball hit. Um, I, I believe it was Pollock that hit it, hit a screamer up the middle, and Dansby gets a perfect bounce to to die for that ball off a huge bounce. Um, and granted, it was a great play, but it seemed like that one, and then to open the World Series in game one, in Houston, the Braves put up two in the top of the first, and then um, bases on the bottom of the first, bases loaded, two outs. They shift Albies over basically into short right on the pitch before. And then, uh, again, another screaming. I think it was Kyle Tucker. It, I, I think they showed it, and it was 102 or 103 off the bat. Um, and just right at Ozzy Albies, who shifted the pitch before. So it's very, like, yes, their pitching came up very, very clutch because they, they held – that Houston offense, other than the two games where they gave up nine and they gave up seven, they held them to two runs or less in every single other game. Um, but it really did seem like defensive plays were getting made all over the place. Um, again, like you talked about Rosario in the corner, um, Jock coming in to with a runner on first, dove for a ball, you know, things like that where – I think maybe Jock took a chance on that. And even Rosario, where if that ball drops and it pops up and hits the wall, he's going into the wall. So that could be three bases easy. Um, same thing with Jock. If that, that ball gets by him, that's an easy triple. It's an easy three bases. So, and then obviously, you know, Albies, if, if Albies doesn't shift over and he's not in the perfect position for that ball, that's two runs, and then you've got a tie game, um, essentially, if they don't score anymore, going into the second, which is a whole lot different in the World Series. Um, again, like it's very telling when the last two, even three, World Series winners that I can remember, um, probably even four, going back to 2018 with Sale, but pitching has ruled in the postseason, um, the teams that have the depth in the bullpen and have good starting pitching have succeeded. You think this year, you think freed, uh, Morton, even though he was injured, uh, in the first game, but pitched very well in the postseason. You know, you've got Ian Anderson last year. You've obviously got that Dodgers rotation, but then you had in the bullpen, you had Urias really step up, um, Late in, late in games and closeout games and really getting two, even two and two-thirds inning saves. Um, the year before that with uh, Washington, you had Strasburg, Scherzer, and then the back end you had Daniel Hudson that really stepped up. 
Um, and even before that, in 2018, you had sale closing out games. So, again, it's it's very telling. Like, Houston is probably one of the top, what, 5, 10 offenses in the league. So, when you've got good pitching to back that up, it makes it so much easier on your offense because, I mean, let's just face it, this, this Braves lineup, when you look at it, is kind of just – average it's it's not like you're not expecting greatness um you know they gave you greatness in some games but again i i think i really think the pitching held it up for them yeah absolutely um you met you brought up the uh the little shifts that the braves put on you know that that's one part of the you know I a lot of times on this podcast have brought up my criticisms of the uh, statistical revolution in baseball right now. That is one part um, that I really do uh, like, though, is um, shifting infielders, not necessarily stacking the infield to one side, but, you know, telling them to move a step or two over in this direction uh, to give them a little jump on the ball um, just based on where a guy hits. Um, you know, you don't want to concede. In my opinion, conceding one side of the infield is unacceptable, in my opinion, because it's a major league hitter. He can just slap it the other way if he's normally a pull hitter. It, I mean – it's a big league hitter. Come on. But, you know, something like that is really, I think, key in, especially in big games like a World Series game. But one thing that I don't really understand that one criticism that I have of the Brave strategy uh, that was used during this World Series was the, uh, Game three and game four. Why are you starting Dylan Lee and Tucker Davidson? That to me made no sense. And in, in game four, when you have a chance to close it out and not have to go, or pardon me, was this game five, game five, pardon me, game four and game five. Um, Game five, you started Tyler da- or Tucker Davidson at home with a three-one lead instead of you know throwing so- throwing a more experienced arm in in that rotation and closing it out at home. I I did not understand that, and obviously, you know. It, it didn't really matter in the end because they went to Houston and they put up seven runs on uh, on Framber, was it? Or no, it was uh, Garcia, Luis Garcia. They put up seven runs on him. But it, it, it doesn't really – I don't understand how you take that risk. Yeah, um, I, that's a great point. Uh, we've mentioned before too the I think the idea of the opener um, I don't think Davidson was used as an opener um, or at least the purpose 
wasn't for the opener, but um, Dylan Lee, I mean, I, it was clear from the start that Kyle Wright was going to get the majority of the, like the bulk of the innings. I, I do not understand that. Um, the same reason you said you've got guys that start most of, or if not all of the year. Um, and I believe it was Kyle Wright's major league debut if I'm not mistaken. So um, same thing. I, I just, you've got a guy that's basically started what 95 to hundred percent of the year. And then all of a sudden we're just going to try and change that up. I still don't get that. I never will. And um, I really do think it just blows um, an arm for later in the game. You know, you've got, again, a guy that, majority of the times comes out of the bullpen, if not all of his experience is out of the bullpen, why are we putting him in a starting role now where he's got an immense time to warm up, um, you know, to think about it, stuff like that, like stuff like that matters, you know? And when you've got a guy that usually starts and has that extended time to warm up and, you know, long toss and really like get into it, like an hour before, it's kind of difficult to say, okay, you've got 10 minutes now instead of your usual however long. Like it depends on the pitcher, but however long you have, you normally have. Um, yeah, great point. Um, I think how this applies to the Reds is I really do think if we're going to make a postseason run, pitching has to be a priority again because – I really like the Sessa, um, getting Sessa, Justin Wilson, and and Givens. Um, I really like Givens and Sessa, though. I feel like Sessa, we've said it before, he's a kind of a Swiss Army knife. Um, he can really be front end or back end. Um, but it's just a major boost to have good depth of pitching in the postseason. And if you don't have it, you're going to get exposed very, very quickly. Um, and I feel like that's what kind of happened with Boston a little bit where you kind of relied on Evaldi to throw six, no run innings and get out to a five, six run lead. And when he doesn't do that, you know, then you're in trouble, but postseason uh, pitching is, has to be a priority. And, um, you know, the way we're going as of right now, it does not look like we are even in the realm of competing um, with some of the moves. But here are some of the moves that have been made by uh, the Cincinnati front office in the last uh, probably week or so, I would imagine. Um, probably even like three days. But uh, today, actually, Castellanos got offered his qualifying offer. Now, it is about 100% he will decline. But, again, it's not about whether he accepts or not to me. It's about the draft pick. Um, if if you don't know, if a team offers a player a qualifying offer, if they're eligible for one and they decline, the team gets um, compensation through a draft pick um, instead of the player if they decline and sign with a different team. So some of the teams 
didn't do that to their stars, which I don't know, again, why you wouldn't. Because if, for example, like in Colorado, John Gray is pretty much 100% guaranteed to leave Colorado. Um, he was getting heavily shopped around at the deadline. Um, I don't think – it doesn't make sense for somebody who is coming of age like John Gray – and maybe his best years are now to stay in Colorado. Um, but they didn't offer him a qualifying offer, so if he leaves, they don't get jack shit for him. And that doesn't make sense to me when teams do that. But, again, for the Reds, Castellanos got offered one. More than likely, it will be declined. Um, I've seen a couple articles around where – Everybody believes that Cassianos' contract will be shooting around the two- to three-year range and around the 21 to $25 million a year. Um, I kind of want to know what you think, but I'm among the crowd of if we didn't want to pay – I mean, we're going to get to it after this, but if we didn't want to pay our best pitcher last year – $10 million. Why would we want to open the checkbook to Castellanos and pay him an extra, what was it? Um, extra 9 million off of his contract that we signed him to originally for uh, every year. Um, to me, that just doesn't make sense. So uh, what were your kind of thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I think your sort of estimation of 24, 25 three years um that that sounds about right um i i don't think look in order to compete period you got to open up the checkbook there, there's no ifs ands or, or buts about it you got to open up the checkbook and you got to give nick cast cassie on whatever he wants um but it seems like Mr. Castellini has other plans. Um, it seems like the franchise is going in a completely different direction uh, other than competing. And Nick, from the start, from the get-go, says that he wants to compete, period. Uh, the number one priority on his mind is winning. And if we're not willing to pay $10 million to our our best starter from last year, then uh, I, I don't think winning is really a priority. I don't think that he's really going to like that. So I, I think he's going to say no. I There's no doubt in my mind that he's saying no to that qualifying offer. And I don't think we'll, judging by, judging by what I've seen this offseason, I don't even think we're going to even offer – anything towards Cassianos after he declines that qualifying offer. So, Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head where he says he wants to compete and has proven that he wants to compete. Um, you know, two of the, the first things that come to my mind are, um, we were talking about it before, the opening day when he got pinch ran for and then he stayed out and right and worked on fielding after opening day um, at, God, 12 in the morning. 
or uh, until that time, I think it was. And because he basically said that he didn't want to get taken out ever again because he doesn't want to be a liability in the field. And then in game 162, the last game of the season against Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, we're already eliminated. Pittsburgh's eliminated. We're both long gone from the playoffs. And he's out there, and he leaps at the wall and catches it and crashes into the wall on a contract year, no less. Um, You know, he's not going to want to stay with a team that, again, lets their best pitcher walk or one of. He's definitely top three in my mind, probably, um, at least from the year prior. So, again, I'm just not really sure the direction that we're thinking of going. Um, Like I said before, the news, we, we let two veteran veteran players walk um barnhart we traded to detroit for a player i believe that has not made it above single a ball um i think it is um a guy that's just not going to touch the bigs so not to harp on him like it's awesome that we have somebody in the in the reds organization like that but again when you're trading somebody that started a majority of your, of your games for the last however many years, um, I think me and you both kind of expected a lot more to come from that. And also, this is the most confusing one to me. Um, Wade Miley was claimed off of waivers by the Chicago Cubs. So, Breaking this down, to, to me, I don't – I want to get your thoughts on it because I really – the only thing that I can really say about it is it's it's the complete opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Um, I kind of expected Tucker in a sense because I expected to get more for him, but I expected something to happen, um, you know. Stevenson has moved into that role where he's too good and has too much experience in the bigs to be sitting behind Tucker now. Um, He's just too big, fast, and strong. So I kind of expected something along those lines. But your, your best pitcher from last year, your best performing pitcher from last year, Um, in the year as a whole, not just individual spurts, but in the year as a whole, your best performing pitcher, you basically just let him walk for nothing. And Nick Kroll said that they explored trade options. I'm kind of wondering why that was even a thing to begin with. Um, You know, there's not a lot of starting pitching that we can really afford on the free agent market. And I really thought that 10 million for Wade Miley was a good deal. So I'm kind of confused on that end. And what are your thoughts about it? First of all, getting to Tucker, I I fully agree that that was to be expected. I, this, uh, we, we sort of brought it up uh, earlier in the year. Um, this 100% is now Tyler Stevenson's team. Um, that 
catcher is 100% his position. Uh, that starting job is 100% his. Um, I, I think now it's just going to be a matter of finding a backup uh, for him. But Nick Quintana for Tucker Barnhart, that's a spin in the face to me. I, I, to me, that is Bob Castellini spitting in my face. Um, and saying, fuck you, we don't want to compete. Um, a guy who's not going to sniff above high A ball for Tucker Barnhart, a multiple-time gold glove winning catcher. You could get a top 10 prospect in the Tigers system, or at least a reliever for Tucker Barnhart. And then Wade Miley gets put on waivers and gets claimed by the by the Cubs of all teams. The whiny baby fucking bears. Ten million for your best pitcher from this year. I think that's a that that's a fine pill to swallow. But not to Bob Castellini, no. He doesn't want to swallow ten million. Not for Wade Miley. Mr. No hitter. I don't think so. Yes, he's thirty-five. I, I understand. But putting him but Nick Kroll wants to put him on the trade block. Come on. It, do, it doesn't I just, make any sense. I'm not sure what teams would like would trade for him even like if you put Wade Miley on the trade block, you're not, you're not giving up MLB ready talent and for his age and the way he kind of throws where it's a little, you know, 80, what 87 to 90 cutter, um, cutter two seam changeup kind of pitcher where you're not really, I think you're fishing in a lake with no fish. Like, no shit, nobody wanted to give up anything for him. Like, but he's proven that he can still throw. I'm just, why not take a chance on him? Clearly, other teams wanted him. They just didn't want to give up anything for him. And um, it, it just doesn't, it's still to, like, it happened, um, on the 5th, and it's the 7th when we're doing this. So even after a couple of days, it's still, I cannot think of one reason why that would happen. Um, not not one, like, not one logical reason why we would move in that direction because it would seem like, even if Wade Miley's your fifth starter, better than Jeff Hoffman, um, you know, better than, whatever we're going to bring up from the minors. I mean, at this point, you're going to bring up Hunter Green, I would guess, because you're not going to open up a checkbook to anybody that's going to want 20-plus million when you just declined 10 million. Yeah, when you sort of bring that up, I guess the thought process is Lodolo, Green, I don't know, but why not take that chance? 
it, it doesn't make any sense unless you're absolutely going balls to the wall for Castellanos. And even then, he's not going to want to come back because, I mean, look, you're not trying. You're not trying to bring these guys back. You're not willing to open the paycheck. You're not willing to establish a winning culture. I mean, you just let – and then back to the Tugger point. You could have gotten a lot more. You could have gotten some relievers. You also just let Lorenzen and Givens walk. So what's the deal with that? I'm I'm not exactly like Detroit of all teams to trade for Tucker. Um, doesn't really make sense. They have a young catcher. Um, I forget his name. It's slipping my mind, but they have a younger catcher where he played the majority of their games last year. And I'm not really, I guess, aware enough of the Detroit farm system. But again, Detroit's a weird location for me. Um, you know, you've got, in, in my mind, I, I would have thought you could have gone to like a team that, that's losing their starting catcher and tried to get um, a lot for him. Like a, let's say, I think, I believe the Rays are losing theirs, um, Boston. Uh, Christian Vasquez has a club option that's not been picked up yet. So, again, it, I believe shopping him around to teams like that would have been a lot more beneficial than saying, hey, like, I mean, who, who knows? Tucker could go, and he could literally be the backup in Detroit. That That's a realistic possibility. That That's definitely a possibility. And, and the guy uh... – to your point, the guy you're thinking of is, uh, I think it's Haas, Eric Haas. Yeah. Um, and he did play, it looks like he did play the majority of games for them last year. So, you know, it, 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 it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why you would, to your point, yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why you would shop him to Detroit. Um, it, it doesn't make sense why you would only get a guy who's never going to make it past, never going to see the light of day past single A. Um, it, I don't, like you said, it, it, it boggles the mind of what is that statement that Nick Crawl says that we're not rebuilding but it sure as hell seems like it because we're dumping a hell of a lot of payroll of veteran contracts. And we're, what, what was the exact quote allocating uh, resources to our payroll? Something along those lines, something along those lines, but you dropped 17 and a half million dollars in a span of two days. It sure as hell seems like we're rebuilding. You know, we come off a five fucking year rebuild, a rebuild that took too damn long. And for what, two years, uh, one year uh, of that fucking Mickey Mouse wildcard appearance where in over, what was it, 20 fucking innings, we score zero runs and then the next year we fucking choke down the stretch in the most brutal way in the most brutal way possible 
and it took a Cy Young to get in that wild card series. A Cy Young that we let go to the Dodgers, and now we're going to let Nick Castellanos fucking walk. What, what, where are we going? What are we doing? Uh, I mean, we're, we're clearly not looking to win. We're not willing to open the checkbook. Mark shot and fucking Harry Wright are rolling in their graves right now. Just looking at this, I, it, it, is, it is embarrassing to be a Cincinnati sports fan right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the frustration just says it all. Like, it's just very frustrating to see um, kind of the back and forth, like, like saying one thing and doing another. Um, like, I, I would understand if we were good for a decent amount of time and then uh, contracts came up and we needed to rebuild after that because you can't afford to sign five $300 million players in one year. Like that just doesn't make sense. But uh, again, like you said, we're getting to the point where we're kind of like two years on five to 10 years off. And that's not the route you want to be on. Um, You know, I really do think it's going to have to be Hunter Green at that point, but that'll that's into the discussion. This is kind of what I wanted to open up it into. Um, So the Reds are obviously going to have to sign some people if we want to compete. Castellanos is more than likely going to walk. You've already lost Barnhart and you've already lost Wade Miley. So if Castellanos walks, that's three starters right there that have walked in what a week, two days a week, something like that. So what in your mind do you think is like the ultimate need? Cause I've got probably two or three things that I can think of, but um, we'll start off with what you have. First of all, I've got a, uh, I've got catcher. Um, look, Tyler Stevenson can't catch 162 games. He's human. Um, Kyle Farmer hasn't played catcher in, what, a year, two years? Um, And he is listed as the next guy on the depth chart. So um, Kyle Farmer can't be your backup catcher. I'm looking at signing someone like a Robinson Chirinos, a Kurt Suzuki, um, someone who isn't necessarily a big bat, um, but is someone who gets the job done defensively and can show Tyler kind of the ropes defensively as well, because, you know, that that's sort of his area that he's been struggling with uh, is defense. Um, we were talking we were kind of talking about this uh, going around the infield. Uh, you, really, I, I don't want anything too big um, because you've already got one position battle uh, at third base with Moose and Suarez. Um, and but if you're looking to compete, uh, someone like a 
uh, I'd say a Ronald Torres would be nice. Um, someone who can uh, fit in at shortstop. Uh, like we mentioned uh, a couple episodes back, I'm I'm not really sure if Jose Barrero uh, is quite ready yet uh, for the major league level. He showed promise. Um, I just don't think he's all the way there uh, defensively and offensively. So uh, that would be nice if we have if we have the money. Um, and then you know, and a center fielder might be nice. Um, if we have the money, but it's just a matter of forking out the cash. And, you know, I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but it doesn't look like we're going to be forking out a whole lot of cash this offseason to compete. Um, it, it's, it's looking like it's one of those – it's one of those years where we're just going to be rebuilding and it's going to be another long process. So, yeah. So I think you're, you're exactly right with the catcher stance. Um, you know, like you said, even with Barnhart, like Barnhart always split time with somebody. Um, so Stevenson became that over the last couple of years, but again, no catcher in this day and age is catching 162 games and you're going to need somebody like a Kurt Suzuki or a Chirinos, like you said, um, you know, nothing special, just a guy that's going to be probably below average offensively, but above average defensively. That's all you need. Um, going around the infield, uh, Torres would be, um, would be awesome. Just a guy again to fill in. Who's not going to be, you don't need anything special along the infield or catcher, at least in my mind. Um, you just need a guy that's going to fill in, but um, you know, place good defense and again, be average at the plate. Um, I had mentioned before, and I just, um, just come to find out Wilmer Flores actually did get his option picked up. So, he will be returning to San Francisco, but I saw his, his option was for three and a half million. So for me, I thought that was a really big target. Um, he can play some outfield. He's played outfield before, but you know, a guy that can move around between first base, second base, and third base, and play a little bit of left. You know, kind of a you know, dare I say it, Chris Bryant type but a guy that's going to hit you up near 30 home runs every year and i thought that would be a a really big signing but um you know let's just let's just assume that um castellanos declines this option so that means that that opens up 16 million dollars right there and let's let's assume that even though it's probably not going to happen let's assume that we spend this all of this 16 million dollars um, it is more than likely, let, let's just say Chirinos or Suzuki, either one works. Um, you can get them, I would assume for around 
1 million, if not less. Um, so let's just say 1 million. So now you have $15 million. Well, Castellanos just walked, so you're going to need an outfielder, a corner outfielder. When I was looking at this, one of the names that I mentioned, and maybe another name that we need to talk about. Uh, at first, I mentioned Michael Conforto. You know, coming off a down year, wh- why not a two-year deal to kind of prove back up, maybe two-year with a player option? Um, and then another name is Avasil Garcia, the former Brewer. Um, I highly doubt he would go in division, you know, trade teams in division like that, but you never know really because with the Yelich contract, they probably couldn't afford the his contract or at least a little pay bump. So, um, again, two solid options if Castellanos walks, but, again, that's assuming that you open up Again, open up the paybook and you say, we're going to spend this money that we are not spending on Cassianos. Um, some of the other guys that I thought were a little interesting was Corey Dickerson, Andrew McCutcheon, and Tommy Pham. Um, I think Tommy Pham would be awesome to get. But again, I just think that he's not... It's hard to assume that Tommy Pham is moving f- moving on from San Diego. Um, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs this year, but that just it doesn't make sense to me that he would move anywhere else. He's you know he's starting playing every day, where honestly if he moves anywhere else it might be he gets moved around quite a bit um he might get paid more but if he does it's going to be with a team that's not really contending um just doesn't make sense to me but ultimately i do believe that you could stretch um stretch the pockets for conforto um i i believe that's on like the very 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 high end so, but you, you definitely need something. Something has to happen. It, it just can't go further and further and further and further to where we are. We're finally looking back and we're like, okay, now we have Joey Votto, or we're sitting on all these contracts like Avado, like Suarez, like Moustakis, um, you know when Stevenson gets re-signed, he gets off his rookie deal. But you've got all these contracts, but we don't have a complete team. So we're spending just enough money to be okay, but not not enough to be good. And I feel like that's the spot we're in now. So when we were we were talking about this before and one of the things that I do not understand is not extending qualifying offers. Um, you had, so the Brewers didn't extend one to Avisil Garcia, which if he would have ex- accepted it, he probably, they probably couldn't afford it. So that's probably why, because they signed Yelich that massive deal. But like the White Sox didn't ex- extend one to Rodon, the Rockies didn't extend one to John Gray. And the Dodgers didn't extend one to Kershaw. So 
I'm still among the like, if you have somebody that is eligible for a qualifying offer, why not? That that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, even if you know they're not going to accept it, like a again, like a Nick Castellanos, you want that compensation, that draft pick coming up. So, um, if you had to pick in the outfield, who are, who are some guys that you would look at and you would think, you know, maybe we could stretch a little bit. Um, an- another name would be Chris Taylor, I think would be interesting. But again, those are, I think those are three guys that are going to want a big payday. And I don't think we have. It. Yeah. Um, that obviously, like you mentioned, Conforto Taylor, that would be very nice. Very nice, um, but um, I, I think we're going to have to aim quite a bit lower. Um, I think we're going to have to aim for like a, like you mentioned, maybe a Dickerson. Um, maybe uh, we, we could try an Abdul Herrera, um, even though he's got, a bit of baggage on him, but uh, yeah, there, there's not really a whole lot within our our pay range. Like you said, a Garcia would be nice, but it you gotta open up, you gotta open up, the, you gotta open up the checkbook sooner or later. You you can't keep sitting on this money and just not doing anything to win. It's unacceptable as a franchise. Yeah. And ultimately we are not going to get to where we want to be again. I think we're in the spot right now where we're spending enough money to be okay and not really spending the money to be great. And I, I really do believe that we are one or two pieces away. Um, probably more two to three, but let's be optimistic and say one to two. Um, it just, it doesn't make sense to me to not, to not sign a, a big name that's coming out. Like why, why not at least, at least talk about Chris Taylor or Conforto or a, uh, obviously Garcia, you know, those are guys that can, can completely change the lineup where, um, you know, obviously, I believe Castellanos is far and above better than both of those players, but uh, why not? You know, um, you know, some of these other names that are on here, I just don't, I don't have any interest. Like, if we would sign someone of like a, like a Marisnik or a Cameron Maybin along those lines, I just, I think that if, if that happens, that's going to be the sign of we're folding and we are, we're, we're folding and taking it to next year because that's just not, again, you can't lose somebody like Castellanos and pick up like a Mariznick and be like, okay, it's all fine. Uh, no, not really. Um, even like a Corey Dickerson to me would be a fold. You're, you're gaining $16 million in cap space, like use it somehow. Um, 
I don't really, I'm not a big fan of Solaire. Um, he's going to want a bigger payday. And to me, it just doesn't fit in with that lineup. He would probably hit about 75 home runs in Great American, but I just, I don't think he fits in. I think we need more along the lines of um, a one or two, or not a one, but like a two to three hitter or a seven to nine hitter rather than in the middle. Um, you've already got Winker, uh, Vado, you've got Suarez or Mustakis, Stevenson. Uh, those are four positions where I think it's pretty locked down, um, four hole to whatever, you know, right in the middle of the lineup. But, you know, even a Jock Peterson, I don't think it fits well um, where he's going to want to, you know, hit a lot of home runs and strike out a lot. And it's just not something that we need. We need somebody that's kind of more an all-around hitter where that's where I would have thought that we would have traded for like an Adam Frazier at the deadline last year and let him play outfield um, because I feel like he would have been the perfect um, two hitter, the perfect two hitter. But, you know, that's past long and gone. Um, is there any other, any other names on here that you think would be interesting? Maybe um, I know we were talking before along the lines of like a, like an Iglesias or a, um, a, I don't think they're the same player, but like a Freddie Galvis even. You know, it, it would have been lovely to uh, re-sign Galvis or uh, Jose Iglesias, but um, yeah, I, I don't – just going down this list, like there's no one within the price range who's actually good. Um. I don't. I don't think. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all I have to say. I. I don't think there's room <laughs> for anyone else. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like, some of these guys are going to want upwards double digit money, and there's just no way that they deserve double digit money. Um, so, let's let's hope and pray that along these next few months that something happens to where this mood kind of changes because right now I feel like we're trending in the wrong direction. And um, if we can get one or two big signings, I feel like the mood can change around and hopefully we'll get optimistic and finish better than a wild card spot. Um, but again, I that you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Perfect. You're going to need to open up the checkbook and you're going to have to put out at some point and you're going to have to really like make moves to be in that position. You can't just sit back and hope that again, uh, Tyler Naquin shows up where you get a guy on a minor league deal and he comes out and he hits 30 home runs, just not going to happen every year. So, you know, with that hopeful note, we'll wrap this one up. See you guys later.